0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome, Rink Rats. It is Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast, episode 54. Brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, on your time. And we are also brought to you by our founding sponsors at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Uh, they have a 4th of July sale going on. You will see the banner on the website. Head over there. Use the discount code the rank at checkout to get yourself 10% off of all your orders on top of their sale that they have going on. So head over, get yourself some rink wear, or get yourself some other wear. Whatever you want. But, uh... Use that discount code the rank to get your puck hockey gear. There's churning out a bunch of cool new stuff, but uh, honestly, I think you need to get yourself some rink wear. What do you think, John?
1: I get yeah, get some puck wear, some rink wear, some wear wear. Get it all there <laughs> at puckhockey.com. Absolutely, I I fully endorse that strategy.
0: All right, cool. Anyway, today is Monday, June twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper.
2: Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? <laughs> my name is Joe.
0: It's F.A., man. And I'm joined by my co- good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. As you heard earlier, hello, sir.
1: Hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Figure it out.
0: <laughs> and together we are the, your most trusted sources at your favorite online hockey hangout, the rink.com. So, anyway... Um, a lot of stuff happened today. We had planned this podcast to talk about the draft, and uh, we will later talk about the draft with the Wiz. We have our boy the Wiz on, and he has a lot of good things to say about the draft. But there was a trade today that happened m- a mere hour or two hours ago. Um, we will talk about that also with the Wiz, but uh, just very quickly, the Blackhawks traded uh, the rights to Anton Forsberg and Gustav Forsling to Carolina. For Calvin DeHaan and Alexi Sorella. Sorella is the brother of the anti-Sorella that they uh, drafted on Saturday. So we will talk about that a little bit later. That's a little bit of foreshadowing on that. But at the draft or uh, just during the draft, I think, uh, the Blackhawks made a trade, and then earlier in the week the Blackhawks also made a trade. So we're going to talk about those trades uh, first and foremost to, to give our opinions on those trades then what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to turn it over to a little bit of a discussion we had with Wiz, uh, a good long uh, you know, appraisal of what happened in the draft, and then we're going to close it out with some questions that people have thrown at us, and then we're going to let everyone uh, get on with their uh, their day. So uh, Their evening, their day. Yeah, their evening, their day, their flight, their uh, commute, whatever they're doing. So um, First of all, the Blackhawks... Uh, kind of surprised actually all these trades honestly have been su- surprises to me. I mean, you kind of saw that John Hayden was going to go, but the rest of this, like uh, that kind of surprised me. So first, first and foremost, the Blackhawks traded Dominic Cahoon and a draft pick to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Ali Mata. He's 24 years old, got two Stanley cups, good size, former first round draft pick. This is a lot of stuff we've heard before. Dylan Strom, Brendan Perlini, uh slater cuckoo former first round draft picks we're hearing a lot of this which i'm not against uh i'm you know i said it with with wiz i like almost every move that stan bowman has made since october 1st of last year um he's 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 cut his losses he isn't hanging on to these players too long if he doesn't like him he's getting rid of them. it's almost like we have a brand new stan bowman I mean, yep. it's like his body yeah. has been possessed by an actual yep. competent defense or uh, G- GM, you know. So I really like this trade, though. Dominic Cahoon, he's a bottom, you know, middle six to bottom six, you know, responsible forward. But you can get those anywhere. They, they, you know, they brought in this Weeden guy, this Anton Weeden guy, who's supposed to be cut from sort of the same cloth as Cahoon, and uh, you just, just ran and, out of uh, spots. Yeah, yeah, Kubalik's probably Kubalik not as much
1: out of the Czech Republic. Yeah,
0: I don't think Kubalik's going to be as much of a is a, a, you know a a two way responsible for it. I think he's more of a playmaking scorer. But that you know they, still there's spots that are filling up quickly on this team. Cahoon kind of just you know they they're running out of spots for him. So but yeah, I mean for me, Ali Mata, I think, and I said it on Twitter the other day. Uh, they, everyone wants to poo poo Mata. and because. The Penguins fans turned on him, but he's a former first-round draft pick. He's talented, but he's not Chris Letang. He's not uh, you know Adam Bukris. He's not going to you know bring that puck up the ice for you. But he can get the puck out of the zone. He can block a lot of shots, and yep. that's what the Blackhawks don't he have. Kills
1: penalties. Yeah. You know, if there's a fan base that has a shorter memory than the Hawk fan base, it's Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I remember. Two three years ago, I forget when it was. The Penguins were in a in a long playoff run. I think it was one of the years they won the cup. And and uh, had been out. And you call him Ali Mata, I call him Oli Matah. So we'll just have to get that straightened out. But Matah was uh, had been out uh, with an injury, and they had to get Oli Matah back because he was the linchpin of their defensive zone coverage. He was that tough guy who was going to block shots. So you know. Now he has uh, a couple of bad playoff games after he came back from a shoulder surgery um, a, a couple of weeks earlier, and and you know all of a sudden you know they they got to get rid of him. I, I think you know I don't think we should fool ourselves. This was a value for value trade um, where you know Pittsburgh gets a guy who's a useful bottom bottom six forward. Um, you know he's got speed. He can fill in different spots. But he's not going to make anybody forget Pavel Bure either. And, you know, Matta with the black ice skid is a guy with somewhat limited mobility, but, uh, you know, thinks the game at a pretty high level. um, You know, keeps it simple, takes care of business in the defensive end, is willing to sacrifice himself physically, uh, block shots, etc. You know, and it's a stabilizer. And, um, you know, that's what they've been missing. I mean, we've been saying it on this show for over a year now. You know, they, they kind of need, like, the poor man's Nicholas Jalmerson because an, an actual Nicholas Jalmerson is pretty hard to come by. But, you know, that guy who's going to, to you know, take care of business on the defensive end, stabilize some of these puck rushers that they have in abundance, either on the team or coming in, in the prospect pipeline. And that's what they got in Ole Matah. And, you know, the deal, well, we can talk about the Dahan deal later. But I, I think that, you know, if Matah stays healthy, Um, I have a feeling that they will probably partner him with Henry Yoki Haru for, uh, language reasons. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, and their sticks, their sticks complement each other too. One's left, one's right. So that seems, that seems to be how they'll, they'll do it. I wouldn't play Matal with Seabrook, um, because they both have some, some mobility issues at this point, um. You know, so it's it's a good move. It, he's a de- he's going to be a depth player. He's going to provide some penalty kill if they use him the right way. If people don't expect too much from him, too much, um, I, I I don't think there's there's probably any downside here unless he gets hurt a lot. And then and then yeah, you know, you can second guess it then.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's a it's a player you got for for scraps, and he's big. Right. He's 24 years old. He's got over 350 games of NHL experience. Two Stanley Cups. He's won two Stanley Cups and and he's beat cancer. <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. You know, yeah. I mean, that that could have led into, you know, that led into some of his missing time as well. But, you know, I think he can be a John light type of player. He's not going to be, yep. you know, but you, you don't need a guy that's going to go out there and score, you know, uh 15 goals and have 40 45 points they, they, you you know, already already. that you have that Yeah, you have that. What you need is you need, you know, you need a well-rounded defensive core. You don't need a bunch of guys that are, that are five foot 11 and can all score goals because no one's going to keep the puck out of the net in your own end. And we've been saying this for years,
1: right? And it was, it was the worst blue line in the, in the league last year. It was, and it was the worst five on five. And it was the worst on the penalty kill. And so, adding a guy like Mata of his profile, of his experience, um, is is probably only a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 I think Blackhawks fans need to not poo poo this trade uh, right off the bat. What what you need to do is you need to give him a chance and let's see what happens. All right, let's see how this guy plays when he's on the ice and who they pair him with. And, and I kind of brought this up too earlier today. I was talking on another show that uh, the Yoki Haru and Mata together, they're both Finnish. They've played international yeah. hockey together, not right. necessarily on the same line, but they've played international hockey together. They understand each other and it makes sense to, to pair those two together. And what better, you know, what better scenario than to have Henry Yoki who was your first round draft pick a couple years back. Have another guy standing right next to him on the same line, speaks the same language, has been through a lot of the same things to to, to help usher him into the NHL in a full-time role. I think it, it serves multi-purposes to have you know Mata out there with, with Yoki Haru. So I, I'm I'm a fan of the trade. I don't hate Dominic Cahoon. He was great for what he did, but he disappeared for long periods of time. He played with Jonathan Taves, and there were long periods of time where he got no points, and Taves was lighting the league up. So what's going on out there with this guy? You know, it's like he had an okay season. He's an okay player. He's a depth guy, and that's what he is. He is what he is. You know, so I, I I'm not gonna you know cry cry over losing Dominic Cahoon. He he was what he was, and great, he's gone.
1: No, it's just, yeah, I mean, and it's so funny because there's this stuff on Twitter of Pittsburgh fans like. Breaking out into celebration because they're getting Dominic Cahoon. Oh man, I swear. I, I mean, saw
0: it's... I saw a comment I think somewhere that uh, uh, someone was welcoming welcoming, welcoming Dominic Kubalik to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm like, you have the wrong Dominic, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you got the other Dominic. So oh, yeah, good stuff, man. So anyway. <laughs> Then uh, during the during the actual draft, uh, the Blackhawks traded John Hayden, which it's no surprise that John Hayden was probably on his way out the door. Uh, John Hayden got traded to New Jersey, who actually New Jersey probably had the best weekend of any team in the NHL, with you know all the players they acquired with P, you know PK Subban and uh, you know getting the first overall draft pick with Jack Hughes. And, uh, you know, they had a really yeah. good weekend. Yeah, but,
1: they had a really, really good good week or so there, definitely.
0: Yeah, so they they the Blackhawks traded John Hayden for John Quenville. The, the name's familiar. We've all heard it. He's a, uh, a relative of Joel Quenville, um, former, another former first-round draft pick. Yep. This is, you know, becoming a thing now with, John, with uh, Stan Bowman. It's going to be like, with the next trade, what former first-round draft pick are you going to acquire now? But, uh, Quenville, uh, he's kind of,
1: let's hope it's not Cam Barker. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, but he's kind of like one of those guys that's kind of a, you know, triple a kind of player where he's really good at the AHL level, but he hasn't been able to really figure it out at the NHL level. He's not overly big, even though he's like six foot tall. I, I went back and I kind of looked at some like old scouting reports of when he was drafted and stuff. He kind of looked like he may have slotted in as kind of a middle six center, responsible on both ends, can score, but he's not going to light like the league, you know, on fire for you. And it's not bad to have a center like that with a little bit of size, high pedigree, things like that in your system for a guy that you were going to let go anyway. What, yeah. what were your thoughts on this I, trade?
1: I have a hard time. Getting excited about this trade one way or the other. I mean, somebody asked me for an instant reaction at the time, and I said, "I'm, I'm guessing it's a change of scenery." I know that Hayden was frustrated, and I also had heard that they were shopping him along with Anisimov recently. Um, I didn't actually hear about Forsling and Forsberg, so I, I can't I can't claim that. But um, I had heard that they were shopping Hayden, and um, uh, you know, I think it's it's really more a case of. You know, if we get this guy, um, you know, maybe he'll thrive in our system. Um, I, I I don't know if I'm get, if I if I'm the Hawks, I'm getting terribly excited about this beyond the fact that it's a guy named Quenville, which is pretty cool, and we and immediately named him at the rank Q2, and uh, we've copyrighted that so nobody steal it. Um, but uh, you know, I I don't know, we'll see. I mean, Quenville's like a lot of guys that come out of the CHL every year. You know, he's a guy who's he's very productive in junior. Um, and he, he's, he's, you know, just good enough to be a star in junior. But the question is, is is he, it, where is, where does he fit in the NHL? And is he quite skilled enough to be a top six player in the NHL? And if he's not, can he adapt to, you know, what's expected in, in a bottom six role? And, you know, does he have the size? Does he have the, the meanness, the the energy, et cetera? So, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know, you know, if I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm starting to see John Hayden go. I always liked him. I did too. Um, you know? But he just uh, he
0: just like never found a spot, and he was yeah. a healthy scratch too yeah. often, and
1: yeah, I, I suspect also that maybe he wasn't Carlton's kind of guy for whatever reason, and I think that may have been part of it too. I don't know uh, that he was
0: necessarily Joel Quenville's kind of guy either, because Quenville sat him a lot too, so I don't know yeah. where he fit in.
1: Yeah, so, so you know, I mean, but what New Jersey's getting is New Jersey's getting a, a big, strong human being. Um, who's not afraid to to mix it up and, uh, uh, can take care of business if, if that's necessary and, um, skate a regular shift. I think again, though, the question becomes, is John Hayden ultimately going to be a, you know, a, a 70 game NHL player or not. And, you know, we don't know that we don't, we certainly don't know that about John Quenville either. Yeah, for sure.
0: <clears throat> so, I mean, it, maybe they're hoping that he can develop into like a third line center type of player and, uh. You know, that would, that would be great. But, you know, if he doesn't, maybe he's, you know, first line center in, in uh, Rockford. Because I'll tell you, I, I've brought it up several times. The Blackhawks, they have a lot of guys that have the C by their name, but they're not really quality right. centers in this organization. Right. And right. they need some centers. And, you know, well, let's say that, you know, David Kampf, they, they re signed David Kampf and he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Who slots into play center, you know, for that fourth line? Maybe it is John Quanville. You know, uh, because they don't have a whole lot of other guys, uh, you know, in Rockford right now that can step in and do that. So, you know, yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, Quenville could be, you know, immediately ticketed to to Rockford and and we'll see. I mean, I think some of it's going to depend, too. I mean, the Hawks still have seven forwards to sign. So, you know, maybe maybe they're going to keep Quenville around and see if maybe that, you know, that they need a, you know, a cheap guy to fill in, um, you know, at the bottom of the roster. We'll see.
0: Yeah, but I don't hate any of these trades, like like we're going to talk about later. I don't hate that trade either. I there's not a trade that, no. that Quenville's made, or I mean not Quenville, uh, sorry, uh, Bowman's made in, in a while that that I've looked at and been like, wow, uh, this you is know, terrible.
1: Let's go back to that because you know, I I don't know of many people who've been harder on Bowman than we have. Yeah, we have, um, <laughs> and and I don't know of many people. Who have been more um, down and negative about the direction of the franchise, but I, I'm I'm gonna say this: these moves that he's made over the last this this GM is on a roll. Everything he's doing right now is coming up roses. I mean, he's he's you know rolling sevens, and um, I'm I'm getting excited. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not you know going full full jabroni here and saying they're they're <laughs> they're going to the to the to the western conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals next year. But I, I'm I'm excited about the future of the team and you're starting to see, you know, in the pipeline and at the NHL level, you're starting to see Bowman doing what we said to do. Go out and get young players with upside. Go out and get a couple of defensive defensemen. And he's he's done all these things. And you know he he got he went and drafted two guys with size who probably are going to be good NHL players. Um, you know, all these things. And and it, you're starting to see the future emerge, a picture of the future of this team. Um, and at the same time, there's it kind of integrates with the, the holdovers you still have from from the old core um, to where, you know, this team could realistically be a lot more competitive the next couple of years, could be a playoff team. Um, and you could start to work in these younger guys like Quist, um and, and some of the other younger players um, along with these guys. And it's pretty exciting. I'm starting to get excited about this team again and the direction it's going. And credit to Stan Bowman, because here's the other thing, and, and we're going to talk about Doc with Wiz. But there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure to take Byram, and there was a lot of pressure to take Alex Turcott. And you know the 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 Turcotte thing was the big McMarketing move. You know, ah, he's a Chicago kid. You gotta take him. And you know what? I mean, I think Bowman looked at it and said, all th- all things being equal, I'm gonna go with the good big player over the good small player. And in terms of what his roster needed and what his what his pipeline needed, in terms of the style and the profile of the player, it, it was the it was the smart move, and it probably who knows? He may have gotten pushback in the organization. People wanting to take the Chicago kid and the marketing narrative that goes with that, because there were a lot of meatballs out there—not meatballs. Some of, the, some of them were very knowledgeable hockey fans. were were pushing for for him to take Turcotte, um, but um, you know he 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 went and got a kid out of the Western Hockey League that a lot of people weren't weren't on a lot of people's radar. Um, yeah. But yet, when you look at his tape, and I have to admit it and I'll say this later in the show, I had, I had not seen his tape until we wrote the draft prospect profile for him about 10 days ago. And I'm looking at it i am like, this is a unique talent. And, you know, so kudos to Bowman for that. I, I just think um, he's, 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 it seems like he recognized, and, and we talked about this. There was a point last year where he got on the phone with some other GMs and said, we've made some mistakes. We need to fix them. We're ready to make some deals. And that was when Brandon Manning got moved for Kajula. And I think it was also right before Schmaltz got moved. And, you know, that that's a great all GMs make mistakes. The good ones correct them. They recognize them and correct them. And that's what Bowman's doing. And it reminds me a little bit of Kenny Williams when he was the GM of the White Sox. You know, when Kenny Williams took over the job, everybody was like, oh, he's Ryan Storff's handpicked guy. He's not really prepared for the job. And maybe he wasn't. But he had the opportunity to learn on the job, and he became a pretty good GM and won won a World Series in two thousand five. And I feel like you know through all the stuff Bowman's been through, good and bad, I think he's kind of coming to his own now, and he he's kind of standing on his own feet. And he's he's for whatever reason, man, maybe McDonough's backed off, and some of the some of the the functionaries have backed off, and they're letting him do his job. But these are smart hockey decisions, and it's it's paying off now. Or it's, it's it looks like it's gonna start paying off over the next couple of years and everybody should be excited about it.
2: Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's my laugh.
0: Yep, yep, I agree totally. I'm 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 you know, Stan's winning me over, man. I've 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 been a harsh critic it's as well. Hard. But tough yeah, to do. you know what? And and I'm a guy who holds grudges. I'm like I'm not yes, easy to win yes, over. You are. <laughs> I am not easy to win over, like, but he's impressed me with what he's done uh, lately, and uh, you know I think, as far as my opinion goes, what I think they needed to do, I, I think he's he's followed along with that, and I, I think you kind of follow along with that as well. So uh, I I can't really complain, and, and kudos to him. Maybe he's, you know he's maybe still learning on the job, and he's finally coming into his own. I don't know what it is, but it's like ever since October hit last year, man. It's it's everything's just all roses with him and it seems like he's really doing he's been doing a much better job. He's 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 been that guy that we want we want to see those shrewd moves and we want to see those under the radar things that he pulls out of his hat and he did that with Strom and and uh you know Kajula and so I, I'm 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 happy as well right now. I, I'm I'm optimistic that they can compete. and I'm not gonna go out and say they're gonna win the Stanley Cup this year, but in two, three years they could re- be right back in the mix again, you know, if if, if the defense works its way, you know, the, the way it's going, and uh, if the goaltending hold, kind of holds together yeah. and, and, and continues to grow the way that, you know, some of these goalies have, have kind of been surprising people,
1: um, you know. Well, no, we talked about that today. To me, yeah. to me, the goaltending is the big question, um, not just this year, but then next summer as well because, uh, you know, Crawford's health is nothing that you can count on at this point. And uh that, so that's that but that's another issue. In the yeah. meantime, um all of you know all the other positions they're they're doing great things and I think they're gonna wait till next summer and really evaluate, you know, and and, and address the goal goaltending one way or the other.
0: Yeah, I think uh, uh maybe when we go into questions we'll talk about the goaltending a little bit. How about that? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. so now we're at, at the point, we're gonna take a little bit of a break, uh, pay some of the bills. We're gonna to talk to Wiz for a little bit about the draft at length, and the dra- and the uh, the trade with uh, that just happened a couple hours ago. Then we're gonna come back. We're gonna finish some with some questions, and then we're gonna get out of here. So uh, here we go to the break.
1: Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions, like how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where Home Advisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to homeadvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project.
0: So, we 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 thought we would decide we would come back and we would bring the Wiz back since we did our little mock draft about a month ago. We talked about who the Blackhawks were going to draft we were all wrong <laughs> and uh we, we figured we would bring Wiz back so we could talk about the actual six players they uh they selected in the draft this past weekend and we can uh you know discuss whether they did well whether they didn't do well we'll, we'll start with well, you know Whiz what Wiz thinks and then we'll give our opinions on that i think i right? want
1: to actually qualify that last bit because i was checking in over on draftsite.com where Wiz's mock draft was and he was going back and forth. He had, you know, he had him taking Dylan Cousins for a while. Then he had him taking Turcotte, then he had him taking Byron Then I think he went back to Turcotte or back to Cousins. But I think about three or four days before the draft, the name Kirby Doc slipped in there for the Hawks at number three, and he was right.
2: Yeah. And I think that you know the biggest issue <laughs> all over the media is. I think there's a there's a there's too high of a value put on the NHL Central scouting. And watch, someone's going to hear this and come after me like a witch hunt, but, you know, a lot of those guys who are hired to work in, on those jobs are ex-players, and um, they have their opinions, and they update those charts and those drafts. And it doesn't really – they're not really uh, stat guys like me. They look at – They look at videos and we all get seduced into who is there. And if we want to go backwards, just a little bit, when in, um, back in even August, it was cousins doc who were looked at after the big two ahead of them as the next guy's going off the board, simply because they were so big and so fluid after, you know, size wise. And later on, you know, what creeped in was that uh, the, the kid wasn't going to be a number one and that Turcotte was his jackknife that made everybody better in practice. And I think that, you know, suddenly everybody's just, you know, and I, I, believe me at the top, I think that just like anywhere else, it, it, it's very well defined, but especially this draft. It could have gone other ways, and I think the Hawks were smart to play it the way they did simply because this is a huge young man. His own coach said that he's got a little dot-suk in his ability to strip pucks mm-hmm. and use his reach. Um On on both sides of the ice, on both sides of the puck, but but you know one of the telling things, and I'm going to thank Mitch Brown, who does stats um, of for ringside and and for elite prospects as well. Okay, he had this chart about the neutral zone involvement of all those players, and what it is is it's it's uh, a tracking. Primarily of back-checking and how it impacts the defensive play, you know, of uh, preventing zone entries and by opposing players stealing pucks, creating turnovers, puck recovery by his team after uh, after uh, the puck uh, gets dumped. And when when they did, when he put out this neutral zone involvement, Corsi zero is the middle. You go positive. Cousins was close to a one Peyton Krebs uh, was a three, but Kirby doc was so far. He was a 5.5 positive um, so far off the chart to the right, because um, on entries and exits, um, he was just so well at transitioning pucks, either by skating or passing zone to zone and all of his numbers um, when it came to to um, entries exits passing uh, his courses were all in the ninety percentiles now to me and you I mean that's not something i'm I'm looking at, but because it, it, i'm it's just not where I you know how I watch the game, and I guess I could learn to do it that way, but when you see this guy go back and bounce off somebody and get the puck and ramp up speed and put it to someone else. Um, uh, You don't see that on paper and you don't see his top end speed necessarily, but his hands, how well he grips that stick high and how he uses his body to block out players and his skating and his elite playmaking. It was there, you know, and, these primary a primary assist is you know leads to a shot on goal. I mean his his levels in in Canadian junior hockey were ninety six percentile for for making that play. So this is how a lot of people you know um, look at the effectiveness of, of a player. And I'm sure that the the um, the interviews had a lot to do with it, and you know, I just want to put a shout out LBR from from Dressside. Our, she's our, our guru, staff person there. She's the one who turned me on to, to this whole idea, and this concept of of the way you read them. And so you've got this kid who, from the beginning of the year, um, I'm not going to try to repeat what everybody else has said on all the sites because I see it's basically everybody. Quoting the Hawk Scott, uh, Chief Scott Kelly, but he can he makes sharp like Podolk skin, He yep. makes those sharp yeah. cuts yep. across the grain, and he can yep. he can curl and he's so um, and he lives in the prime scoring areas. And he, with his hands, yep. he just gets he has a feel to get the puck to this guy. Gets yep. open. He's he's just so big in front, and and he scores. It's so fast almost you know for a big guy and think about that Hawk team. For years everybody, you know, whether it be the announcers not say, you know, you gotta have that net front presence. And for a big guy, he's got really his edging is outstanding. It's not like huge, but you know, for a big guy, he makes space for himself away from other players when he gets the puck. He's like a swoop. He swoops and then he does something then he's he's kind of gone to another area after he gets the puck away so you know i think that it's a big man and when you see him sitting standing next to taco and hughes and you see how much bigger he is yeah
1: you gotta dwarf it all those
2: the factors in, in taking him yeah
1: he dwarfed those guys i saw that picture too you know i tell you the thing about doc is i didn't know much about him i'll be completely honest with you until we were doing our our prospect profiles on the rink.com and i got a chance to see some of his highlights and a couple of things jumped out at me about him. One was what you just talked about was was the way he uses his edges in tight areas and and creates, you know, openings for himself and beats guys offensively that way. But the other thing I noticed is he he has an ability that not a lot of guys have, even at the NHL level. And that's to roof a puck in really, really close on a goalie, which is always there because all the goalies play play low now. You know, they take away they take away everything low. But if you can roof a, if you can roof a puck in really close, which is a very hard thing to do, especially at speed, you're going to get a lot of goals. And and he has that ability. The other thing about him that you know Bowman said after the draft, which I thought was was really revealing and said a lot about Bowman's mindset, was that they scouted Doc in terms of his playoff um, play, um, and I believe it was in the Memorial Cup. Um, and apparently, some no, of the other teams. Actually, Go yeah, ahead, sorry.
2: Um, even going back to the Western League, and he was uh, the reason he didn't go on to play the tournament after he was—he was, he was injured. They went after him; these teams, right, right, because they—they they knew he was the reason that. Uh, back, to, I just going—I I forgot to say one thing back to that stat that neutral zone involvement. When they looked at the stats of of eight edg- uh, eligible defensemen on the Saskatoon team, and they're in those same stats of using, closing, taking the puck away, um using their stick to get the puck out. He ranked third like a defenseman on the Saskatoon team. So that in itself, so other teams said, hey, we got to kind of go after this guy. And they were sending two, three guys rubbing on him, pushing him, and he took it, and you know what? He started giving it back too, right. and that's that's another thing you want right. to see. You started jumping like that, John. No, it's all right. I
1: just but I just wanted to say that what Bowman said is he said you know that kind of response when the game gets intense in a playoff situation is what you want to ha- have in the NHL, and he's he's absolutely right. He said it, Bowman said if you watch the playoffs. That's what you need. That's what that's what you see is a need for a team to win and prevail in the playoffs for guys who can rise to that physical challenge. And too many people construe that as just throwing hits. That's not it at all. It's the ability to to impose your will on the other team physically while still doing what you need to do in terms of skill and in terms of scoring to win hockey games. Um, and, And, you know, at his size, He's not a guy who's gonna ever go out and be a total road grader. He doesn't have to be. He has tremendous skill and tremendous mobility for a guy his size. But when when you know, when it's going into the corners, when it's uh you know, trying to create space around front of the net, when it established position in front of the net, so nobody can clear him out of there. And the guy's ma he has a massive frame and he's gonna get bigger. He's probably gonna put on another 15, 20 pounds at least. I mean and he's so he's gonna be ha- a force. Go ahead, sorry
2: yeah no and and in the playoffs, what happened to him is because they laid on him so so much, he did get injured and he couldn't go on to play in the the that, uh, the attorney that was after it but what I was going to say was what I thought was interesting is, you know, uh, after Hughes got finished at the Worlds, he said, you know, I'm going to take some time off and be a kid. And you know, that's exactly what you need. Cause after this, it's all business. And then when I saw interviews on, with Kirby doc, he said, you know, I, I wasn't able to go on and plan any post tournaments after we lost in the playoffs. And so I got right in the weight room and I wanted to start building myself up. For, for what's coming next. And I don't think he just meant Buffalo for the, you know, for the combine. He meant for next year. So, you know, they're going to bring him in, and he's, and he's somebody that is committed. And you know what? Uh, you, you, you can look at all these. There a, a, are a lot of good kids in this draft. And some of them might be, you know, um, at, at one level contributed. And this kid, we know that it's something they needed. They needed. They need a big future, big guy like that who can work the ice all over the ice. Uh, and um, I, I have no qualms with the pick. I, and I'm very happy with it. In fact,
0: yeah, I agree. I mean, Blackhawks fans are not used to seeing a draft pick come in to camp with you know at the talent level that Kirby Doc's going to come in this summer. He's at a whole nother level over what they are used to seeing as far as, you know, players coming in. Even, you know, Adam Boakvist, when he played pretty well last summer, Kirby Dock's going to be, you know, above that. He's just that next level of player because the Blackhawks haven't been able to, to draft at this particular, you know, area of the draft. And uh, it's it's going to be exciting for the Blackhawks this year because whether he ends up playing wing or center, he's going to get a good solid chance to make this roster. Uh, you know, come October and he may only get the nine games or he may stick with the team. There's a very legitimate chance. And they've talked about, you know, people like Bocust and year before that, Yuki Haru and, and things like that, making the team. But the chances weren't really that great this year. It's pretty good that he, that Kirby doc could bake this team. And, uh,
2: yeah, and I think they're gonna they're gonna look look at if, if, you know give him the nine games if if he turns out that he's ready. If he's not, you know, you just wait like anything else. You don't want you want to, we blow that confidence level, you know. And I'll tell you what, um, I I thought they were very very fortunate. I had uh, Alex Vlasic going in in the first round, but see the, again. Everybody in that first round they're looking for pizzazz. they're looking for that right handed push defender they're looking for that guy that maybe down the road's gonna be a scorer for him because they don't have a to bring it there sitting up for him so it was very fortunate. I'm sure there were a bunch of guys they could have taken they're the hawks, but by virtue and you've probably heard this too from from all the you know a, a, while you're watching the draft live. That, that team, that uh, U.S. national um, development team, was so stacked that a lot of these guys really didn't get as good a chance at doing different things. And and Alex Vlasic, you know, he was on a few power plays here and there, but he really didn't get much power play time. And he's such a big kid, and he's such still raw in terms of you know, he's not going to play in the NHL for a while. And they get, they've they got the time for him to go to Boston College, uh, build himself. But he already is very um, fleet on his feet um, in terms of fluid on his feet, I should say, for the size he is for a big guy. And I think there'll be some snarl added to the game. And, you know, it's really nice that, after all these defensemen who we all look at we say, yeah, we had another one of those. They finally got the other kind with, with him. And I think that um, as long as he can continue to uh, close off passing lanes when he's out there and uh, break up stuff, uh, break, on, I'm sorry, break out on tra- in transitions, make good decisions with his outlets, let's, you know he's got a really good, solid uh, chance to be a future NHLer and 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 play on a team. And you know you can't set uh, upside for a lot of these guys or downside. And it's just like you know this is a kind of pick to me was a, like when I watched um, Colton Parenko and Joel Edmondson who were got taken like I think both in the third round or so or even later Edmondson by St Louis. I saw them in in Western League. When I saw, um, they were like tough guys that could shoot the puck hard, but they still weren't there. Their you know their feet weren't there, the positioning wasn't there, and you know it took time. But now you've got to say those, you know that was a big part of them winning the cup there for Rinko and having guys like that. So you hope that you can hit on a guy like this and you get to, you get that chance to get there with him, where he's going to contribute in those ways in the future. You know, after that though, I think that you have to look at the rest of their, their picks as basically futures. And, you know, they, they don't go, they didn't go again until the fourth round, but it still was a strong fourth round. But, uh, Big Temple, you know, he's a off—he was an off-handed wing. Um, he was really good in the uh, the Five Nations U17. Um, that was, you know, like a year ago, and um, he's one of these guys. His feet and hands are starting to come together, and he's got good vision and tempo but and his coordination. But he's still, and he plays physical. But he's still got more. You know, it, it's got to come together at the level he's even playing at, you know, he's not in in any way a dominant guy, but in the fourth round, 104 players got picked before you. If you think you're going to, it's, you know, it's, it's a joke to think you're going to at a 105, get a guy who's kind of, you can say, Oh, he's got all these things, but he's another, and you know, all these guys have really solid guys on their uh, laterally with their edging and and this kid can shoot the puck. And without a doubt, he was real physical against the Russians. I don't know if that for whatever reason wasn't in that tournament too. So I, I think it was it's a good long term pick. And if he's already six three, you could bring him in and you know, their whole it, it's not the kind of player they have in the system right now. Um and it's a it just fits another need. Now they've got the brothers Alexei and anti sorella They're both under six foot. Um the, the one we just drafted he's more of a long-term project guy but he he gets he's a, a real strong four checker checker he's got a good energy player now he's played on first lines um, and sometimes you know I don't think he's he he, he 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 neglects things in his own end sometimes but um he took a hit um, in uh, what was it in, in, in the four nation, no, in, um, in the, in the Ivan Holinka. And he took a hit and their whole team in the first game, he was out, couldn't play anymore. And, and when that happened, it's like, they just, his whole team, that, uh, that team collapsed. It was like, they didn't, they didn't answer, you know, after that, they, so that kind of tells you a lot about him too. I think he can um, that's the you you want and the other brother the, the one they just traded for I think he had about 65 points he was like a plus 30 this year in the American Hockey League in the past. Now that doesn't say he's a major league player at this point too but you know that's what you want you want to have call ups you want to have uh, consistency and if if you have two brothers, you know, that just helps. I think it, it bodes well for both of them to say they want to be part of the organization and, and grow together here, too. So, you know, that that works for me. And, the you know, the big goaltender they took, um, the, I think they're going to figure out where they want him to play next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he played in the United States Hockey League uh, before he goes to Colorado College. Um, so, you know, that's, again, that's a jury-out guy. And the last guy, um, Cole Moberg, you know, he's good passer um, on a really bad team, big, good feet, good mobility, but they're, we're a really bad team. And so you, you kind of, I guess, the scouts go in there and the Hawk scouts and say, you know, this is a guy. We like what we've seen. Then he brought him. I heard they brought him into Chicago and did uh, on-ice stuff with him and tested him different ways. And they really liked um, all the things about his game and his his uh, ability to uh, understand the game and recognize the game. And again, it's, that's that's another one of your that's your Joel Edmondson, a right a right-hander guy who might develop for you in the Western Hockey League and come and play someday. So you know you. You can't quibble if they come out of this with with uh, with in high end elite forward in Kirby Dock and a centerman or or right winger. You know he really only played right wing in mm-hmm. one tournament because they asked him to, and he played pretty well and pretty physical. And you come out with a defenseman who comes in and plays big time minutes where. He becomes even if a guy becomes your fifth and six. Think the well, guys have have auditioned to come in with with the idea they're going to be uh, five or sixes, and now they're sort of left holding well. It didn't really work out. So, so is Slater cuckoo going to play for us? Is Dahlstrom going to stick around and play for us? Uh, They already got rid of Hillman, I understand. They didn't offer a contract. So, you know, we're thinking of him in terms of that, but I think this is a kid who he's going to eventually be counted on to be one of those guys, not, you know, a maybe or an iffy or when he gets there guy. I think it's more like because the way he closes gaps and backpedals, he's going to be that guy. And he's going to be a guy who can move up the ranks eventually. So in all in all, you know, I saw people ripping the draft mostly because of both the picks. Or not ripping it, not giving it a high grade. And to me, I just love the draft simply because of of uh, what they came out with. It was what they needed. And other teams who got great grades, you know, they might have gotten a, a guy that is going to play. But I don't know how well their, their fits were to these guys, it just seemed like it was a, it just rolled right for them with these first two picks. So, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased.
0: I am too. I am too. I mean, the Alex Vlasic pick, uh, we had all talked about in our, our private chats that, you know, we really wanted to see the Blackhawks be able to get him and, and they did. And, you know, that, that, a defenseman with size that can actually move and maybe, you know, an NHL, not just some kind of, you know, defenseman that just, comes up and down from Rockford, uh, a guy who who might actually be able to step in a lineup with size and, and make a difference two, three years down the road is not something they had. So they, they needed that. Yeah. So it was really nice to see that. And you know, the rest, like you said, they may, they may develop, they may not develop. You never know what you're going to get from rounds, you know, four through seven. Uh, it's kind of a, a crap shoot at that point. They're, they're projects. You may, you want to see if they can develop into an NHL player, but you know, the chances they are is probably not all that high. But uh, you know, give it a shot. So I like the size in all the players, you know. Not that you have to have a big bruiser that's gonna kill someone along the boards all the time, but right. just a guy who's a little bit bigger than five foot six and uh you know could possibly get crushed by a Colton the aforementioned Colton Pareco. Uh, when, when the time comes, you know, you, if you have a Kirby doc who could bounce off of a Colton Pareco, that's going to be nice to have in your back pocket. And, and also that, you know, he, he's a center, but you ha- already have Dylan Strom and you have Jonathan Taze there right now. So there's no hurry to rush him up the lineup if you don't have to. And, uh, it, it's a good, really good position to be in. I was, I was happy with the draft and, and again, from the, from the day they, they got that third pick, I wanted them to pick, you know, a center. So I'm very happy with, with, with what they did.
1: You know, Wiz, going back to uh, your uh, comment about the uh, fancy stats on zone ex- zone exits and entries by Doc. You know, one of the things about um, uh, Vlasic that I noticed <clears throat> is how simple he keeps the game in his end and how how intelligently and simply he gets pucks out of his end. And, you know, when I'm when I'm coaching kids, one of the things I tell them is, is that you win and lose games at both blue lines. And it's really true. I mean, maintaining offensive zone uh, possession gives you more chances to score. And it wears the other team down and getting pucks out of your end fast prevents other teams from scoring and wearing you down. And, um, you know, one of the things about Vlasic is just that simple get the puck out. And you know it's funny when I watched Game Seven of the uh, St. Louis-Boston uh, series. One of the things I noticed was Boston on their own ice was getting pucks into the St. Louis zone, and St. Louis would get it right back out, and Boston couldn't get anything going. Now they did have some opportunities in that game, but and and uh, Bennington, uh, you know, bailed them out at, at times. But in lar- long stretches of that game, St. Louis was just getting the puck out of their end. And, and that's what it comes to. That's, that's just smart hockey. It's not pretty, you know, people don't get excited about it. You know, it's not end to end rushes, but it's basic blocking and tackling hockey that wins games. And, you know, the, the size component with both of these players, this has been a team for the last few years that's really lacked meaningful, meaningful size. And when you look at teams that win in the playoffs, they, they either have big players and or players that play big. You can talk about Brad Marshawn being a small player, but he plays big. And, you know, I saw, you know, when, when Columbus played um, Tampa Bay in the first round, they dominated them physically. They bottled them up in their end. Tampa couldn't get anything going. They were getting destroyed on 50-50 pucks and on face-offs. And they got frustrated and they, they got swept. The best team in the history of the league, everybody was saying. And they got swept. And then in the next round, Columbus gets beaten in six by Boston because Boston imposed their will in Columbus. And so, you know, I, I just think that Bowman had the, the ag- exact right thinking going into this draft, and he got guys in the first two, two uh, rounds at least that clearly one of them's going to be an NHL player, and the other one probably is going to be. And they, they both manned end being very good NHL players. The other thing about Moberg, the seventh rounder I wanted to say, is – You know, what I read about him was that, you know, he's very raw, but he skates real well and he's got apparently a bomb of a shot and he plays for the Prince George, uh, Prince George Cougars, who um, was, was the team, um, the alma mater, if you will, of Dustin Bufflin and people call him in Prince George. Anyway, they call him the next Dustin Bufflin, which I thought was pretty high praise. Um, and I think Buffalo was like a ninth round pick when when the Hawks got him. So you never know with with some of these guys that they take later. Typically the odds are really long, but you never know. But the, the bottom line is, just if it, if it's a two player draft, they they may have done really really well with this draft.
2: Yeah, I just one one last thing about Vlasic is you know the classic big man when when you see these guys that are that size, even in on the past. Um, U.S. development teams. Um, the thing about him, already for a big man, he when he has he, his touches when when he's back in his end, okay, he he is just real good at handling the puck in movement. And mm-hmm. when he and mm-hmm. now that's only at the junior level, but this isn't a, a big man who is going to look at who you're going to look at in a year or so as some guy who was part of the U.S. program and part of the the um, all the successes. But in fact, was, um, you know, one of the the. the it, it, part of a team, whereas he really is a good player, you know, Mm -hmm. and they've had a lot of defensemen over the course of time that's, that have come through the system and uh, they're going to continue to be, but, but I think just a really good kid in every way. And I think we're going to see that he's going to become a true, true pro style player too. I think he's going to give it his all. And, All that just comes for us. Yeah, there's
0: unfortunately in this day and age with the media and everything. And I mentioned it a little earlier today that because the way the media and everyone fed the Blackhawks fans that uh, Bowen Byram was like the guy. He had to be the guy. He's the best guy. He's going to be the all star. He's going to be, you know, the next Norris Trophy winner. They sold that to the Blackhawks fans. Now, all of a sudden, they that's what they think that the Blackhawks missed on a player that, uh, you know, is going to be the next Norse Trophy winner. Well, that's not necessarily the case. He may not be. And they they had a lot of those players in the system. They went out and they got players that they didn't have. They don't have to be big everywhere, but you have to have some size in your lineup. You can't be a lineup of a bunch of five foot seven players and be able to compete in the in the NHL for the Stanley Cup playoffs. You can have some, but they didn't have anyone. They didn't have any size. I mean, Dylan Strom, they brought him in, and he does have a little bit of size. But, like, for Vlasic, they don't have any 6'6 guys that can play like Vlasic can right now. They don't have any 6'4 guys other than possibly Strom, debatably, that, that play like Kirby Doc does. And, and they went out and got those guys, and I like that. They, they had a need, and they went out and got them. That's what I was looking for with this Blackhawks draft. and um, I think he deserves higher praise Stan does and I was and I'm not a big Stan apologist, but I think he deserves a lot more praise than he's getting on this because, yeah. because the uninformed fans out there are re- you know reading what people fed them and now they're turn- trying to turn on Stan Bowman when I think everything that he's done, and we're going to move on to this you know in a second here, everything that he's done since about october 1st of last year i'm really on board with the way he's kind of mm-hmm. moved players around and got got rid of mistakes and he's not sitting he's not doubling down on his mistakes he gets rid of them he's actually made some steals i mean this trade that he made today i'm just dumbfounded that that he was able to pull this this, this trade off so uh i don't know you guys got anything more you want to talk about it as far as the draft picks go
1: no, I mean, I think we've we've encapsulated where I think we're all pretty happy.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So let's talk about the draft or the the not the draft the uh, the trade that happened today. It actually happened just a couple hours ago. Um, the Blackhawks acquired Calvin Dehan and Alexei Sorella, who's the brother of Auntie Sorella, who they drafted Saturday um, for the rights to Anton Forsberg and uh, Forsling. Gustav Forsling, which they could may or may not have qualified offers to, probably shouldn't have because there's not enough room for either one of them. But you bring back a defenseman, the Cal, and Cal, Calvin DeHaan, who's a really good defenseman, good in his own ed, responsible. I mean, some some of us had uh, the Blackhawks, you know, targeting Calvin Dehan years ago to to come into Last the year. system. Last yeah. Year. And then and then Wiz mentioned Alexi Sorella. He's a fifty-something point player in sixty-one games last year in the AHL, which is nothing to sneeze at, really. I mean, he's he's a thirty-goal scorer. He played sixty-nine games. He had fifty-four points, a thirty-goal scorer, and he's the brother of a player they just drafted, which is an added bonus. I don't know how he pulled this off. I mean, the Blackhawks are eating a little bit of salary with Dehan. You know, he makes
1: a, a you know a, a decent cap hit. But nothing. Yeah, it's a four and a half million dollar added cap hit to the Hawks, so that's that's a big part of it, obviously. But continue. Uh,
2: I think that this was driven, agent driven, somewhat. Um, I I bet that Fors Forsberg, the goalie Forsberg, knew the writing on the wall, and he saw that there wasn't a place. And I bet his agent said, well, what are you going to do? And I'm pretty sure that from the first time Gus Gustav Forsling got sent down, he, um, he was very upset when he was sent down that he thought he, he only could become an NHL player if he played in the NHL. And, and it, hurt, it hurt his feelings somewhat. And I bet his agent – said maybe a new surroundings would be good. And you know what? Uh, Peter Mazarek, you know, I don't know. I just don't like him. I think he's good low and he's quick and athletic. And I don't know if Forsberg, goalie Forsberg is is, is, uh, a, a polished NHL goaltender, but I think he's got enough there that he's worth the investment by the, by uh, Carolina. And the other thing is force for I, I, you know, when I saw the trade, it, it kind of hurt my feelings because I really was hoping that he was going to be the guy. And I like a lot of the way he plays in, even in his own end, He's not physical, but the way he – and part of those circumstances had to do with bad goaltenders and a bad Hawk team. So it'll be curious to see if he can thrive, you know, um, because if, in fact, let's say Carolina trades another defenseman because there's still talk along uh, along those lines. Uh, and, and and right now, you know, DeHaan probably four to five months after his shoulder surgery, and that's just not – that's not game-shaped yet. It's just you know starting to get ready, so they're going to wait for him, and then it looks like they have they have seven defensemen right now. So somebody uh, on every night is going to be a press box guy who's who doesn't play, and it just might be, or maybe um, they're going to send you a defenseman. I don't know how hopeful I would That's going to happen, but it's very And, um, it could be that, uh, Murphy who, you know, had good stats this year, but his and he's one of your big guys. I I just, you know, don't know how well he's fit so far for them. So, so I'd be curious to see what happens at this point, but I don't see them doing anything else on the defense now or getting rid of anybody. um, Unless it's somebody they're going to trade, who's a lower lower end guy like Dahlstrom or Kukuk, and they're going to get a sixth or a seventh round pick for, or they're going to trade a couple bodies here and there, him with with uh, somebody else off the roster who who they want to lose the salary to, um, you know, I, I think they're kind of done. see. <laughs> uh, I
1: I yeah, um, a couple things. I was, I, I kind of agree with you. I think part of this deal was absorbing <clears throat> the cap hit from Carolina and Carolina is looking to, to, you know, move some money out so they can sim- sign Sebastian Ajo among other things. Um, and I think part of it also is because um, as recently as a year or two ago, uh, Gustav Forsling and Anton Forsberg were considered, you know, very good prospects. And um, you know, it it could be viewed by the Carolina management as one or both of these guys just need a change of scenery and um, a different coaching approach. And, uh, you know, they may have something and they, they may, they may not. I have, you know, I think we have a tendency, you know, in Chicago to have short memories. Um, and, and, you know, GMs are paid to have a broader view. Um, and it, you know, like for example, uh, I'm, I don't think anybody was in Arizona was crying over losing um, Dylan Strom for Nick Schmaltz last fall, but, you know, Voila, a change of scenery, new coaching um new line mates and suddenly strom is is fulfilling the promise that he had when they took him third overall so i again, I'm not predicting that um forsberg and Forsland will be redeemed in Carolina, but I don't think that um you know the g m in Carolina just suddenly went insane either. There was a thought process there, so I think you know like all trades, we have to wait probably at least a year two, you know to to really see. Maybe a couple, three years to really see, you know, who who really won this and how lopsided it was. However, no question, Calvin Dehan um, is a nice addition for the Hawks. You know, he's a lot like Matai in that he plays left side and he he does sort of mind the defensive business first. He's not, you know, a classic puck, puck rusher, but he's a lot more mobile than Matai too. Um, so, and he's really legitimately a second pairing defenseman where Matai may be, in fact more of a five or even a six on, on, on right. a really good team. So I think that, you know, this is all really positive. Now, as far as what this means, the Hawks don't have seven defensive. They have nine. Keith Murphy, Seabrook, Gustafson, Mata, DeHaan, Yoki Haryu, uh, Kuku, and Dahlstrom, if you count Dahlstrom in there. If not, that's eight. And six of those nine players are on the our left-hand sticks. Um, so it, it does raise a question about, is there another move in the offing? And you know the other the other thing is, and I have said this to Gate, it's, if it if it was me, this team's not winning a cup next year anyway. I would look at moving Gustafson where he's at his highest value to another team because of the the contract he's on. Um, and I would just go ahead, bite the bullet, put Bokvist in there, let him run the power play, trial trial by fire, let him learn, play with Dehan or play with uh, with Mata on his left-hand side and, and just go with it and get nice return for Gustafson. Um, but that's me because <laughs> I don't think you're going to get much for Cuckoo or Dahlstrom, honestly. No,
2: so, I mean, no, so. I, agree, I agree. And, you know, I, I thought, I wondered if what that move would be, uh, would, would it be Gus or not? Uh, of course, you know, part of the, and this is from somebody inside told me that skates with the old Hawk uh, coaches, said that, uh, you know, part of the, the, even when when Q was still there before he was fired, that that um, they, the part of letting um, Gus come and play on the first power play and to get more time, it was sort of a respect thing that they didn't want to take those two uh th- old Stanley Cup, three time Stanley Cup winning defenseman in Seabrook and Keith and hurt feelings. And it was respect. And that's why they waited so long to let him move up into the role. And they finally showed some, you know, they showed progress on the power play and a lot of it was driven by him uh, up there, but I'm with you. You know what you, you deal from a strength um, there's probably, I thought, you know, in the, in my perfect world, he was going to go to Winnipeg and they were going to uh, get the kid that Philly got, um, who's not the finished product. Um, boy, I'm, it's names at this point of the year. Um, um, you know who I mean? The big defenseman who, uh, Philly got it from, um,
0: San Jose, uh,
2: from Winnipeg. Oh, no. Oh, Truba.
1: No, Trubee went oh, to yeah, New Truby York. Yeah, went to New York. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah Trubee went to New yeah, York. Yeah, I thought it's I thought okay, Wiz. Gus we're we're all having in. a tough day here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that Gus could could come in and not miss a beat and help Winnipeg to win right away, and it, even in the last year of his contract, because you know what, he's going to ask for more money, and the way this money's being swung around, you know, now's the time to try to make that deal. You know, well, and. If, if you can angle him and get some younger guy who is cap uh, is is a cap protected guy who you can who's signed for some time or isn't going to make that a big money instead of because you want to you want to keep saving money uh, so you can you can sign your own guys you don't know, make a move a Murphy type move which you know to me is still in losing the hammer for Murphy. Still doesn't work in the back of my head here, but I understood it because it was relieving it was a guaranteed and now that's what we're seeing happening, right? All over the league. Everybody's trying to make sure they can they can get under the cap and have something that's worthwhile in terms of that. So I'm with you. If if they could get they could trade Gus and get something, you know, but you gotta sell that to your fans too and you still gotta sell those tickets. So I
1: yeah. don't know. Well, is, is there- yeah, I said bring up bring up the kid, plug him in. He's got all kinds of talent. And, uh, you know, the thing about Gustafson is I don't think he's ever going to get better. And Boquist can can and will get a lot better. And bring him up now and plug him in, because, like I said, they're not going they're not going to win the cup this year anyway, even with these all these great moves. Um, and, and just get him started. He's the power play quarterback of the future. I don't think there's any question about that. And you got this huge log jam, this overload on the left side now, um, you know, rather than flop Gustafson out to the right side, where he's probably going to be even more of a liability defensively, just put, just let him go. Bring, bring Bokvist, in. You you even it out. You, you know, pair Bokvist with one of these two veteran left, left hand side guys who can stabilize him and, and cover back for him. And uh, I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but I I, I think there's actually a a, a lot of uh, rationale there and dots to connect, and I I will, you know I could easily see them moving Cuckoo or moving Dalstrom for a you know a later round pick, um and you know Cuckoo was a first round pick not too long ago too. He's an but, RFA uh, yeah,
0: so it's just the rights for Cuckoo.
1: Right, but uh, right, um or or I can I can also see them. Ponying up and deciding to to really get some value for Gustafson because I think that they could actually get something of value for Gustafson because for the right team with the right situation that has you know a defensive partner for him who could stabilize him and cover him um, you know then it then it makes sense it, you know sure the Hawks have those guys now too uh, but the other side of it is is he's in my opinion he's holding a spot for this right now and. You know, maybe you just go ahead and pull the pull the trigger on it,
2: and, and maybe that's a trade deadline move too. You know, Yep,
1: yep yeah, absolutely. Bogus gets a little more time. Yeah.
0: Well, one last thing, and to wrap this to wrap this trade up with a nice little bow on top, Wiz, you mentioned early on about the agents and all that stuff. Three of the four players in this trade are all represented by the same agent. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, which I, yeah. I'm assuming that um, the kid, Anti uh, Sorella that they drafted is probably represented by that same agent. So I assume that maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, his name is Mika Rauticalio. He yeah. uh, he yeah. represents both, or Sorella, he represents Forsberg, and he represents Forsling. So yeah, I, I'm sure something, you know, the agent had something to do with, with nah, this. I bet he did. So... That's just an interesting little tidbit that I looked up while you guys were, yeah, were discussing it. So, yeah. So I think I think that pretty much encapsulates the draft and the, the trade today. So uh, I think we're good with the Wiz, huh? What do you think, John?
2: Yeah, it's fun. It's been fun. Thanks,
0: guys. Awesome. I think we
1: can let Wiz go back to the pool, which uh, we apparently pulled him out of to do this <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah, so uh, thanks, Wiz, for all your, uh, your uh, wisdom, words of wisdom, as I call them and uh uh enjoy the pool my friend
2: all right you guys are welcome bye-bye all right
0: thanks, all right, all right, thanks to the whiz glad to have him back i want to have him back some more i mean he's he's a really good guest to have on so glad we have that asset in our back pocket but uh so hey, what did you call him <laughs> well you know he may agree with that too ass in our back pocket yeah um <laughs> well you know phrasing right um so we have some questions um we'll, we'll, uh, before we get to the questions we kind of mentioned in the in the in, before everything we we're going to talk about the the goaltending a little bit and you brought this up i kind of talked about it a little bit uh with uh, Sean and my in the morning this this morning and my opinion and i'm not going off of anything as far as a you know a source goes just based on history and what this blackhawks franchise does and how stan bowman works a lot of the time Um, My opinion was that I thought maybe, and and I'm not saying this is the right move, I'm saying what may happen, uh, just based on the past, is that uh, I think maybe Stan Bowman is going to offer that olive branch back to Corey Crawford. Maybe give him like a two year deal at like, you know, $2 million or something like that, because he is risky, you know, with his health and everything like that. He's going to be 35 and all that. Maybe give him that olive branch of like a year or two um, at $2 million to then sit behind maybe a Colin Delia or a Kevin Lankin in or whatever they're going to decide to do, or who they think is going to be their goaltender of the future to kind of handhold and not have to play. And Cork Crawford may not even be interested in this, but I don't know that he's going to have a ton of offers anywhere else. So that kind of came, you know, just kind of appeared in my brain at one point in time where I thought maybe that that's what they may do as far as, you know, their thin depth at a goaltending. So, um, you know, that, that was kind of my thought on that, that, you know, maybe they believe in Delia and we're going to see a lot more Delia this year. So we're going to see what he can do as a one a one B type player, Corey Crawford will be around for this year. Cause he's not going anywhere. So maybe going, you know, next year uh, you had kind of a little bit of a different thought. What do you think?
1: Well, uh, here's the thing. I, it's interesting. They they've, you, all anybody's talked about the last few months has been the draft and whether they're going to take a defenseman or whether they're going to take a forward and which defenseman they're going to sign in unrestricted free agency or which forwards they're going to go after. And nobody's talked about the goalie position. And I, I, got, I, I feel pretty confident in saying this, that it's, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling because you've got um, your alleged number one goaltender um, who you know has been a great goalie for you, no question about it. Um, who is 34 going on 35, entering the last year of his contract, and has had at least two severe concussions. The last one caused him to miss basically a year. Um, and they're not talking about you know the goalie position now. I and mean, you and I talked about this today, we have so we're kind of prepared for this. Um, this is all loaded questions. No, I'm kidding. Um, but The thing is, to me, it's like they may be looking at Delia and saying, we've seen enough that we think we think this is the guy who's going to inherit the mantle of Corey Crawford and be an elite goaltender in the league and a guy that we can contend for Stanley Cups with year in, year out. It's plausible. I I, I feel like the sample size is too small for them to do that. I feel like for all the good things he does, he, he does give up a lot of rebounds. Um, he had some games last year, not a lot of them, but he had a couple of games last year where after playing really well, he, he delivered a couple of stinkers too. And I, listen, I'm a Delia fan. I've, I've come around on him big time. And, um, but I also want to be realistic. I just don't feel like they've seen enough or we've seen enough to say, yeah, he's the guy. If Crawford goes down um, long-term, you know, or, or if Crawford leaves long-term. So then the question becomes, you know what? What are they going to do about the goalie position? Because you really need two guys, it you know at the NHL level, who you can win with. You you need that to, you know to, to win a cup um, because you're going to have goalies go down, or you're going to have periods where your where your number one gets gets uh, you know goes cold and can't play can't play well. I mean, like Crawford did in the Nashville series in the 2015 playoffs. You know, and Darling came in and he stood on his head, and that was like the best goalie he ever played. Um, but so the, the question becomes: um, I my personal belief is with Crawford's injury history <clears throat> that either he's going to get hurt again, and that's going to be the end for him next year, which is a very real possibility. I mean, you you don't get better from concussion syndrome, um, or the Hawks are going to decide at the end of his contract next year that even if he's been healthy all all year, um, that it may not be worth the investment to re-up him in light of his injury history and uh, the the uh, you know tendency toward taking concussions. Um, and somebody else may decide it's worth the risk and sign him. So to me, I think that uh, and the other thing, he's going to be 35 years old. Um, so it just doesn't seem to be a wise move to invest in another contract of any length with Crawford. Um, you know, maybe you go to year to year and he's willing to do that because he's got some, uh, you know, ties to Chicago with his wife. And, um, but either way, um, again, what it comes back to is kind of the future of the position right now. Um, until Kevin Lincoln and, you know, really prove something in pro hockey or say a Matt Tompkins or an Alexis Gravel really emerges um, you know, the future of the position for the Hawks is, is Colin Delia and what they know of Colin Delia. And I would argue that, you know, they may not have a, enough of a comfort level at this point that they don't need to go out and bring another goalie in, um, with some NHL experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be, cause, cause the, the reality of it is, is if, if, uh, Crawford does go down to injury next year, which is a very real possibility, then your your goalies at the NHL level unless i'm mistaken are going to be Delia and Lankinen. Um eh, you know, i don't know. I you know, stranger things have happened, it could work out, but it it could also be a case where they they're going to need to fortify that position.
0: Well, remember all the pundits have now told us since Kevin Lankinen had such a great IIHF tournament that now he's going to be the next great thing for the Chicago Blackhawks because he played good for uh three weeks in in a in a b tournament
1: i will remind you jeff glass was a hero of the 2006 world juniors
0: yeah exactly
1: (laughs) exactly
0: so anyway yeah that's that's the goalie stuff we don't know but uh you know i'm looking i'm looking forward to hopefully curry crawford being healthy this year and seeing a lot more colin delia because we all know i am the big delia fan but i'm realistic as well so you know i'm not going to overhype this uh, but you know, I, I I'm positive. I, I'm I feel a lot better this year than I have in some of the previous years where we didn't know what was going on, and we, and the Black Ice didn't have a whole lot in the system. They've got a little right. bit in the system, you know. Gravel could right. be could turn into something. Tompkins had a really good year, you know, uh, in uh, Indy. Lincoln had a good tournament, which is that's all positive things. We don't want to knock that. You know, we don't want to oh. say that it doesn't equate to anything.
1: But and Delia is the best young homegrown goalie that they've had probably since Crawford.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know? So yeah, th- yeah there's, there's a lot to feel good about. It's just, I, it's interesting to me that this, that this, you know, that, you know, Crawford comes back after a year, he played, I think like something like 30 games there at the end of the year. And suddenly everybody's forgotten <laughs> about yeah. uh, about the injury thing and his age, et cetera. I mean, And I I just don't think a smart team can do that um, because like I said, concussions don't get cured. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll see about that position going forward.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's roll on to some questions here. Our boy, Sean Fitzgerald, one of our newer writers uh, asked from the existing group of RFAs, which ones will they sign? Um, I think with the trade today, that kind of narrowed a lot down.
1: (laughs) That's for part of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I could see him going out and getting some forwards, some depth forwards, which again will also help the defense if they can get some forwards that are defensively responsible, can play up and down the lineup. I think that will help with the defense as well. So the the you know the the acquisitions they have, yeah, the acquisitions they've they've made, and uh, with uh, uh, you know they've got a bunch of defensemen. They don't need any more defensemen. They are going to actually probably have to shed some defensemen. So. I think you may see, uh, you know, a, a forward or two, and it's not going to be Artemi Panarin. So, get that out well, of your head funny. right now.
1: I, I was actually uh, on Twitter earlier in the show, and and uh, uh, you know, this guy's not, in my opinion, the the most impeccable source, but I think in this case, he's probably right. Um, Dave Panyota of the of the Fourth Period um, was reporting initially that um, the Blackhawks were on Panarin's list of teams he was going to visit. Well, then he came back with another tweet, I guess it was about an hour later, and basically said that had been shut down. Panarin had no interest in coming back to the Blackhawks.
0: There you go. So all you wonderful people that want to go out there and tag certain other uh, quote-unquote supposed pundits with all of the (laughs) latest news. But actually, Sean's question was RFAs. Uh, I kind of went with UFAs. The RFAs, they may sign Cuckoo. Um, I mean, who else is be- Who else do they have? A couple forwards, maybe. Um, the thing that Sakura. works against
1: Cuckoo is, like, he's one of a million. Those six left-hand defensemen they have now. Yeah, right. Um, with Mata and um, and Dahan in the mix now. So, you know, he may be he may be the odd man out or someone else gets delved and, you know, Cuckoo slots in as the number seven. I mean, he wasn't on a bad defense last year, he was one of their better defensemen in terms of being a defenseman. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, they got, uh, let's see, Luke Johnson, Anthony Lewis, John Quenville, Dylan Sakura, Spencer Watson. Uh, yeah, he, he's not going to get signed. Blake Hillman, <laughs> uh, Victor Edsel. He's not going to get signed because he went back to uh, Europe. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, Wiz said something about Hillman. They said Hillman wasn't going to be re signed. I hadn't heard that. Did you hear that?
1: No, I haven't heard that. I, I really have not had my head into, with all the other stuff going on, I haven't had my head into, you know, the Hawks' plans with, with their RFAs.
0: I hadn't heard um, a word about Blake Hillman. I thought they would hang on to him. I mean, he could be chief. I mean.
1: Yeah. You know, he's a guy. Now, there's a guy. Him and Cuckoo both actually are guys that, you know, if they want to move some of their, some of their defensive depth, um, I could see some teams being, being somewhat interested in, you're not going to get a ton for those guys, but I could see some teams somewhat being interested in because they're guys that, you know, realistically you can, you can play as a depth defenseman and they're, they're not going to hurt you by making bad plays defensively, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, you know who we forgot to really, uh, who the next great goalie in the Blackhawk system is the, Ivan Nail Nail, nail him off. Ivan Nailamov, <laughs> the great Russian prodigy. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna show up in uh, let's see the uh, 2021-22 season. He's gonna save the Blackhawks. So yeah. Anyway, but uh, I you know I could see him signing Sakura. I could see him signing Luke Johnson, Anthony Lewis, oh, John Quenville. unless
1: yeah. unless they unless they deal his rights very soon here. That's which I think is possible. I mean. Apparently, you know, Bowman was saying a couple of weeks ago that there was some question whether he really fit their plans. So, um, but they won't just let him go. They'll, they'll trade his rights. Before oh, how would, things would have just changed. Let him go.
0: Yeah, Oh, how things have changed, huh? Just to yeah. think just last year, he was predicted to score 60 points in his rookie season.
1: Remember he was <laughs> the great deadline pickup a couple of years ago. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. Don't believe everything you hear guys. So, oh, anyway.
1: how the mighty have fallen. Yes.
0: How the mighty have fallen. So uh, Masher2112 asked, what are some of the viable free agents? This actually was kind of what we were talking about before this, uh, that you would like to see the Blackhawks pursue. Honestly, I don't know if they can afford what I was looking for. Uh, I was kind of into depth guys like Michael Furlan, another guy uh, you know, who goes to the hard areas, who plays physical in the playoffs, that kind of guy. And yeah. uh, Ryan Dezingle, Chicago guy, can play up and down the lineup anywhere you want to put him. You could probably get both of those guys for probably a combined Eight and a half million, but now that they've you know acquired Mata and uh, you know, uh, Dehan, those guys are you know going to eat up some of that cap room they have. I don't know if oh, those yeah. guys necessarily fit, but you never know. Um, they can be over the cap, uh, you know, a certain percentage up until the first game of the season, so yeah. maybe you know they have that Artemanisimoff deal in their back pocket and they can, you know, bring yeah. two players like that, unload Artem and, Isimov, and you know maybe make it work i don't know well but
1: they they apparently owe anisimov 2 million dollars on july 1st i believe yeah um for a roster bonus um i don't think any team is going to relieve them of that uh responsibility um prior to that point um uh, but i think after the hawks pay that bonus then you know moving mr artem anisimov for um you know uh some kind of you know draft pick or uh prospect um or a box of tape um is is a very real possibility i think i think it, uh, you know my information is is that they've been shopping him pretty heavily and i think it's, they may they may even have a deal done for him and it's just a question of paying the roster bonus and then they're going to do the deal
0: yeah yeah and i know you know Black blackhawks fans like to crap on uh you know players that you know maybe on their way out the door but you know armanisimov can be a 20 goal scorer you know with we, if you put him with the right guys i mean that's that's something that's not just everywhere in the nhl that's, that that right. can be an asset you can sell that to a team so it's not that he's, he's completely he's, useless but
1: he is he's, a, he's a smart defensive player he's a big body in front of the net he'll get you 20 goals um He's not, he's not what you call a lazy player. He's just, he's slow. Um, and he's, he's always had problems on face offs as a center
0: Yeah, that for and sure. everywhere
1: he's been, they've, they've moved him out to wing at some point. And, um, you know, that, that's the thing. And, and, you know, the, he's probably slightly overpaid for what he is slightly, not, not like millions of dollars, but like maybe half a million dollars or something. And, it's just, he's, and he doesn't really fit where the team is going. And I just, I think they're going to move him because they, they need centers. They need centers up and down the lineup who can win faceoffs. Hey,
0: yeah, how's dinner going over there?
1: Quiet. You're one sandwich away from fat. <laughs> I you I'm actually not. I was, t- I was actually taking my medicine. I got to get up <laughs> early in the morning and jag off. <laughs>
0: All right. Ray. I'll leave K- this in the show. <laughs> Ray Cools uh, emailed us and said, What do you think about Pierre-Edward Uh as a UFA for the Blackhawks? Great at the faceoff dot. Very good at the PK. Age is an issue, but Vegas won't have the cap space. I'm thinking $1.5 for a nice fourth-line player. Also, do you think Matthew Highmore has a chance uh, to make the Hawks at some point in the season? Now, as far as fourth-line center goes, I think I think Jeremy Carlton is sold on David Kampf. I mean... I think that's his guy. I think that's, uh, you know, and then you got John Quenville. I don't know that they necessarily need another fourth-line center. I think they're okay there. Um, You know, it's third-line center where they could probably use a guy. So I don't know that necessarily he fits into their plans. But as far as Matthew Highmore goes, while he is a center, I don't know that he's necessarily an NHL center. He could make the NHL roster. He's talented. Um, He's one of those guys, as far as their prospects go, has been a diamond in the rough. He just got injured last year and kind of people kind of somehow forgot about him, but
1: I love him Yeah. Yeah. I I, always have, um, going back to Belmar, you know, so here's the thing. It's, it's a mixed bag. I like Belmar. I always have, I, you know, Belmar to me is like a healthy Marcus Kruger, um, which, you know, um, you could argue when the Hawks won the cup in, in 2015, they really didn't have a third line center. They had a couple of fourth line centers, And um, so, you know, I I, I would love to have a guy like Belmar. Um, I think, you know, he he would be great on the penalty kill, um, you know, and just being a tough guy to play against and, and, you know, to defend opposing centers. But the problem with unrestricted free agency is, generally speaking, any guys with any value end up getting overpaid because bidding wars erupt on these guys and, and teams spend all this crazy money. And you know, so so the question is, I don't know that you can get Belmar at one point five million in free agency. Maybe I don't know, um, but yeah, a guy like that, I you know, if the money's if the money's reasonable, I would, would love to have a guy like him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm not opposed to it, but I just don't think. I I really honestly think that Jeremy Colleton just loves David Kampf. I mean, there's a reason that.
1: Well, that, it doesn't that, mean that that, he, that they can't have Camp too. Well yeah that's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. But I just I don't know. I I, I was surprised when Kyle moved like Conf up to like second line center at one point in time when I think someone was hurt or something like that. I'm like, that's Yeah. He's not a second line center, like um and no. he started the game at a second line center, which is weird. So anyway, but not to belabor the point. Um Bandow, out. How did Stan Bowman draft differently now that he has a new or or wait, how did he draft differently now that he's a different I don't know. I don't know if it's because he has a different head coach that he drafted differently or just that this is the way it fell in, but I mean this is completely different than what we were used to. He we talked about it. He he went out and got size, he filled needs. Like, you know, even last year when when he when he he kinda reached on Adam Bochrist, or at least it was considered a reach at the time, like he had just spent two seasons, you know, um, you know, getting, you know, Ian Mitchell and, and Yoki Haru and stuff. And he went on and got another defenseman. And then he went late in the first round and got another defenseman. Like it didn't make any sense. This draft on the other hand seems to make a lot of sense from top to bottom. So I don't know why things seem to, you know, all fit together nicely and uh, reasonably and make sense, but it just does this year. I don't know if it has to do with that coach. I don't know what it has to do with, but something's different.
1: Well, I, I, would ver- I would urge everybody listening to this, if you, if, you, if you share this question, like what's the change? And man, I had a lot of debates with people um, on Twitter about this um, before the draft, where I was arguing for getting players with skill and size. And the basis of my argument was playoff hockey is a different beast than regular season hockey. And it's, it's a war of attrition and size plus skill um, and willingness um, to mix it up and, and to impose, you know, your physicality on the other team is, is critically important in the playoffs. And Bowman did an interview um, the night of the draft after he took Doc and he talked about and we talked about this earlier with Wiz. He talked about the way Doc responded in playoff games. Um, you know, this year and what they saw in him. And I think, and Bowman says, he says, you know, when you watch the playoffs and you see how important the physical aspect is in the playoffs, I think Bowman recognized that his roster for the last couple of years, even if they'd have made the playoffs, was, it was not going anywhere. And and when they got the prior year, when they got absolutely destroyed by Nashville in the first round, they, that, you know, they, they need to get bigger. Uh, they needed to get, you know, bigger and skilled, not just, not just meat, meatball hockey, but, but big guys who can play. Um, And I I think that's what I think, I think Bowman, you know, has, has recognized that a year ago, this, this franchise was in free fall. It was a mess. It was a dumpster fire. And I think he, somebody stopped the train. I think he was a big part of it. And he said, we got to fix this thing. And they've, they've made a series of decisions, including, not just the draft, but including some trades where they've, they've, they've corrected mistakes that they've made. They've gone out and looked to add things that they needed to build this, this picture going forward. And uh, you know, I was just in the ring chat and Mario was talking about how excited he is about the direction of the team. And then he said, yo, John's going to come in and shoot me down. I said, no, dude, I I'm sitting here on the show talking about the fact that I'm excited about this, about where the team's going. So I just I just think that that there was a realization that they needed to write the ship and start making smarter decisions for for hockey reasons and they're doing
0: it yeah it, it, look who the funk that us the negative Nancys of the podcasting world would have all this <laughs> optimism coming out here you know what I mean
1: you're a Nancy I'm not I'm a negative Nick or Nathan or something <laughs> okay, you're a negative Nancy will <laughs> you get your eye back on the prize please <laughs>
0: All right, our boy Brain Sprain says, John Quenville. This, I'm going to screw this up the entire time uh, Quenville's with the uh, Blackhawks. I'm going to call him Joel. I know I am. Is John Q thought of as Kruger's fourth-line replacement or more of a third-line center possibility? Can he win draws and help on the PK? Um, I looked at his faceoff numbers in 19 yeah, games. Yeah, too.
1: They, they were pretty dismal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were worse than Artem so I don't know that 30%. he can win. 38%. Yeah.
1: That was Nick Schmalt's numbers.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know that he, he might be able to win a face-off, but he hasn't been able to win one in the NHL yet. So I think he's still waiting to win his first one in the NHL. But uh, I, so I don't know where the, where he's going to slot in. Like we said a little bit earlier when we were talking about the trade, Yeah, I think it's just a yep. change of scenery. Give him a chance. You had to get your, you had to bring someone back to get rid of Hayden. And uh, you know, they're just trying to get, it's another, it's another tryout kind of. See if yeah. he can re- revitalize his career. So Alex yep. DR, do you think Kirby doc will play next year? Also, what are your thoughts regarding the team's cap for the years to come? Also, will Seabrook's, con- I don't know where, I don't know what the, what one of these has to do with the other, but will Seabrook's, Seabrook's contract need to be taken care of if doc turns into a star? Um, I, I also said this earlier when I was talking with Sean and Maya, like right now, Seabrook, He's not holding the team back any as far as his money. They have cap room, and it would be nice right. to be able to get rid of his cap, you know, cap hit, but he's not holding them back from being able to make moves what what he really is doing is he's holding a spot in the lineup that another player that potentially right. at this point in their career may be better than him uh, can't fit into the lineup. so, Hopefully they have some kind of compliance compliance buyout thing. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be uh, on the table as far as the CBA coming. I hope it does because if it does, Brent Seabrook will be compliance bought out and they will clear that up. Otherwise, five more years of Brent Seabrook at the level he is making seven and a half million dollars,
1: or at some point there will be a buyout. Uh, buyout. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I think someone went into to to, to depth on why you couldn't even buy buyout. Uh, Seabrook's contract. And I don't have the details of that, but why a a Seabrook buyout really wouldn't help the Blackhawks any, other than it would open up a roster spot. So, but, um, I, do you think Doc will play next year? I don't know. Um, I mean, we're going to have to see what he does in camp. I don't, I haven't seen him play against adults. You have to be able to see him play against adults to be able to really tell how, you know, whether he can make the team or not. So, uh, We'll, you know we'll probably see him we'll probably see him in prospect camp um you know if he goes out there and just completely dominates everyone I'll be optimistic that he can maybe make you know the jump and maybe possibly you know probably play wing I don't know that he's gonna play Center because I don't think they want him at third line center but um and they're not gonna move you know strom down you could say it's nice to, they'll move strom down but then the Brinket has to go with him I mean those two are right. you know in each other's hip pocket so you know for the foreseeable future Dylan Strom is Alex DeBrinkert's center.
1: Yeah. And Strom really needs yeah. to be a second line center. He's he's not a guy who's who's going to, you know, he's he's going to have trouble keeping up with certain centers defensively. You know, he's more of a guy you need to drive offense on your second line and he certainly has the the skills to do that and the vision to do that and he he blends well with DeBrinkert. Um, and I don't think doc is ready for that kind of duty, at least not right away in the NHL. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: you know, if doc makes it, I suspect it'll be as a right, um, and it could be a right wing opposite to Brinkett and playing with Strom, which would actually be pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but, you know, the, here's the thing about about it is like, I, again, what's in the best interest of the player and the player's development, if it's to be in the NHL, than, than have him in the NHL, but it may not be the best thing for him. May in fact be to go back to Saskatoon, play another season there, um, and and then we'll see. You know where he's at next year. Um, it, there's a temptation on the you know Hawk fans, and I get it. It's like you've just opened up that present at Christmas, and you want to you want to take it out of the box and use it. And but but the 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 reality of it is is that for a lot of these kids who are drafted. 17 or right after their 18th birthday um they're just not physically emotionally etc ready for to play again you know 25 and 30 year old men and um so you know again we're we're gonna have to see all that said you know um it's like with Boakvist because I'm kind of advocating now you know give him a shot next year you might as well so it could be the same thing with Doc I mean Doc is certainly a big kid um, you know, he's, he's, um, but he's going to get bigger. Um, so we'll see.
0: Yeah. And let me address this one thing and here's where the gate rage is going to come out. So fasten Uh-oh. your seatbelts. If you're, if you're advocating getting rid of Dylan Strome because they drafted Kirby doc, you're out of your goddamn mind. And if you think that the, the, that Kirby doc has to make the Blackhawks roster this fall or Stan Bowman completely failed, you're also out of your goddamn mind, period.
1: That's just ridiculous. That is silliness.
0: It's dumb. It's irresponsible. And it knock that shit off. I mean, you're gonna what you're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna put that thought into Blackhawks fans' heads, and then that, they're gonna be coming out with the pitchforks and the torches when Kirby Doc gets sent back to the Which w- will mess Doc
1: up.
0: Yeah, which is gonna mess Doc up. It's gonna it's just gonna cause all kinds of crap in the Blackhawks fandom. We need to support this at why, this point in time.
1: Why does he have to play in Chicago next year? He doesn't. He doesn't. Why?
0: He doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Right.
1: That's what I'm saying. And it's not a and, failure and so, if he doesn't. Exactly. Like, they don't need him Did now. Did playing in Chicago? No.
0: No. And, and you know what? Bowen Byram probably would not have played in Chicago wait, this wait. year.
1: Did Jonathan Taves play in Chicago the year after he was drafted? Answer no. I mean. <laughs> I just, I don't know where people come up with this stuff. That is, and
0: it's dumb meatball bullshit and it needs to be knocked off right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is. I'm tired of it. You're whipping <laughs> so, up. I'll, yeah. You're whipping up the I'll casual flip, fan yeah. into some goddamn frenzy over, over a 17 year old kid that he has to now make the roster in the fall or he's a complete failure. Shut up. That's ridiculous. It is completely. Yeah,
1: re- and that's the thing is that, is that the, the again, it's about the player's development. If you're going to bring him in and you're going to overbuild expectations, you know, I mean, DeBray had played back in, in junior for a year after he, after he, you know, people talk about, you know, he, they drafted him when he came back to the Hawks. It's not true. He, he played for a full year in junior before he came to Chicago.
0: Brandon Sod. Uh, yeah. You Brandon know, Brandon
1: Sod, a year in junior and then a half year in the in the AHL before he came to Chicago. So oh, oh, oh. I, I think, yeah, go Go ahead. no
0: i'm just almost all the blackhawks hardly any of them came directly into the nhl Kane. yeah like, yeah it's like it, it stop with this keith like
1: was keith was at, at norfolk for a, a good year dustin bufflin was at norfolk and then rockford for like a year and um
2: john you know, I mean,
1: yeah john Merson was in rockford i mean It's 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 just, you know, for the and I always say this every year I say this is like, give these guys a chance to develop on their own, because that's the problem. You bring them up too soon. The expectations are too high and it damages their psyche. And um, there was a a guy who played for the Hawks. Gosh, I want to say it was almost 20 years ago. Steve McCarthy was a first round pick. I believe it was 1999. And, you know, they brought him up too soon expectations were too high and he was never the same, you know, and, and it, it can happen. So uh, yeah, th- this, uh, why do people even say that stuff?
0: You're doing it's, the, it's just, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm going to be flat out honest here. You're doing Blackhawks fans a disservice by saying shit like that. You're you're the casual fan is now going to think that Kirby doc needs to play on the Blackhawks or Stan Bowman failed in, in the draft. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Let's let's be smarter than that, Jesus! It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I I totally now. Kacko and Hughes, um, different story. I mean, both of those guys. You know, Kacko because he's got the just, and he's more mature physically. Even though Doc is has a bigger frame, Kacko is more mature physically than Doc, and he's played against men over in Finland. You know, Doc's been playing against seventeen year olds. Um, you know, Jack Hughes is a lot like Kane. He's, he's a unique generational generational type of, of talent, you know, he's and but who knows, you know, I you, mean, it, it can be decided that he needs a little time too. Um, you may only, know, but.
0: you may only see two, two players come out of this draft and make their NHL teams, uh, you know, going into the fall. And it right. may not even be, you know, Jack Hughes could not make, you know, they may right. think that he needs a year of a year more of, of development some for some reason well, or another.
1: I guarantee you Alex Turcotte will not play for the Kings this year. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's you know, He's Byron going to Wisconsin. might play for Colorado. I might. doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. Colorado's got some good young players. Um, uh, Zagres will not play in the NHL this year.
0: No, um, you, you might see like some you know, outlier like uh, the, uh, the, the, the kid in Detroit or something like that. You may see something like surprising like that, but that's I mean, I mean that doesn't mean that all those guys were failures, too. Like if Bowen right. Byram goes back to junior, does that mean that, you know, uh, the, the Colorado Avalanche failed miserably because he doesn't make the team in the, in the fall? Like, come on, man. That just that, that's no, stupid.
1: It's 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 just that's silly talk.
0: Yeah, it is. So anyway, I had to get a little bit of gate rage in here. There was too much positivity in this podcast.
1: It's, it's a good way to end the, to end the show. It yeah, really is. for sure. For we sure. should do that every show. <laughs> we should have, we should have the, the gate rage minute. Yeah. Sometimes it's like 10 minutes. So. <laughs> you have,
0: there's so much rage pent up inside of me that, yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, I, but it's you know what I I feel it I feel it softening I feel it, it, it there's there's a there's that faint little glimmer of of hope there buried in all that gloom and anger
0: I don't know if you if you lived inside my head you'd be frightened <laughs> the rage continues I just let it sit yeah, inside and see I'm and just
1: being on the phone with you
0: <laughs> All right well that's it let's wrap this shit up. Um, I don't have any more plugs. You got any other last plugs you want to do other than our, uh, our, our sponsor, if you'd like to talk about that? You
1: no. Know, yeah. I want to, I want to give a, a broad, a shotgun, uh, plug to <clears throat> all of our fans who, uh, you know, stuck with us throughout the, the, the draft and, and, uh, the last few days, um, you know, we've, we've really tried to, uh, to respond to the news as it happened. that put up a lot of Instant reaction pieces, and um, you know we've the fans have been really patient with us in terms of, you know catching typos and whatnot. Some of the stuff that we're putting up pretty quickly, and, and yes, we do occasionally have those things, um, but uh, you know it's just it, it, it's just great to see you know our, our fan base um, growing and uh, you know growing with us, and uh, it's it's it, the interactions are just are just great. They're awesome. They're a great great bunch of people. And we're really glad that you're, that you're with us. And, uh, you know, our writers too, we, uh, Ray and APN tech and I took on the, the prospect profiles because Eric Andrews was, was, uh, you know, getting married and, and uh, congratulations, Eric.
0: Hey, and, priorities, is uh,
1: and Mrs., Mrs. Andrews. Pardon me.
0: I said, Hey, priorities, huh?
1: That's right. <laughs> um, and gate was over in, in, in London. So Ray and I took it on and, um, it was just an absolute blast. And I, I, learned a lot about these players that I, I wouldn't have known if I did dive in on these things and, you know, really look at all the the tape and, and the scouting reports and whatnot. And, uh, you know, um, we've just, we, it's just been a real, it's been a real blast, um, lately working on, um, the rink.com and, and, uh, got a lot of exciting stuff to come. We're expanding into uh, another NHL market this year. And, uh, we, I've, we had a little more conversation with our guy, Mark Louie, pepper about a very exciting ring cast We're going to have in the next few weeks. Um, that's looking more and more like it's going to happen. And, uh, a, uh, a future NHL hall of famer, I dare say. Yeah. Um, and I won't give any more, more, uh, uh, you know, teaser than that. And, uh, so, um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about what's going on. And I just, again, thanks to all the fans for sticking with us. And, uh, being being rink rats with us,
0: yeah, and also like I I, I kind of mentioned before, we're going to do a little bit of a rebrand of the podcast. Just update the logo, get a new intro, like yep. you know, freshen up for you guys. So so it isn't stale and old, and you know, hopefully we'll have some, you know new new uh, new guests next year and uh, and a whole lot of stuff. So we got a lot of good stuff And our writers too. Well, you know, our new writers and uh, Juliana, she she was she finally stepped in. And was able to, uh, you know, join in on the round table. So she's in yeah. the mix now.
1: Nikach? Yeah, Niekocz.
0: Yeah, Knee-catch. Yeah, I think it's Niekocz.
1: Something. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I'm sure we'll have her on at some point in time. So we're we're getting more diverse here at the rink. It's it's wonderful. It's all great stuff. I'm really proud yeah. of everything that's going on.
1: You it's know, Black- Fitzgerald, John, Johnny Obs. Yep. Uh, um, who am I leaving out?
0: I don't know. I don't have a list in front of me, but uh, yeah. That
1: one dude, that other dude.
0: Oh, you know who I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to? Our boy from Indy, Evan. Uh,
1: Oh, Evan Miller. Yeah, he
0: moved on, unfortunately. We're sad that he moved on. He he moved on to a position that he had actually had his sights on from the day he started writing. So, you know, we we completely understand it. We support him. We love Evan Miller. Uh, He worked his butt off. I mean... Let's be honest. He's a high school kid, man, but he killed it for us. He just yeah. killed it. Yeah, I,
1: yeah. I remember Gate when you came to me and told me about this guy, and I said, "Wait a minute. We're we're going to take on a kid who's in high school." But you know, he was a professional. Um, he he uh, you know he went and he got he got press credentials down in Indy, and and uh, um, he, he just so dedicated, such a great attitude, just a really good kid um he's the same age as my oldest son and and you know just was always I, I just grew so proud of Evan and so when he came to us he told us he got an opportunity to to really basically run um the, the outfit that he's joining yeah. and and uh um you know we it, it just makes sense and you know the reality of it is we've got a great great group of writers and at some point some of these people are going to move on for other opportunities and you know we're we're just happy to be part of their journeys, you know, cause it, it, that's, that's how this works, you know? And, uh, um, but Evan, you know, if you're listening, if you do listen, um, and I'll send you a direct me- message tomorrow and tell you to listen. Um, but, um, you're great <laughs> Listen kid. or you're We're grounded. Proud of you, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I kind of said this in our private chat and I said, Evan's a kid you're going to see somewhere yep. down the road. You're going to see his yep. name. Like, wow. He started with us but look yep. where he is now, you know, that's yep. kind of way I looked at it. And, and and I could say that, you know, about a lot of other people too, we have a really talented staff. So, and many or most of them are way better than me. So, and I can be, you know, I can, I can swallow my pride to admit that. So um, I'm just here to kind of manage everyone, but uh, anyway.
1: Yeah, it, it, that's just it. I mean, we're, we're offering these guys, um, you know, the an opportunity to, to work with us and grow with us and, We'd, we'd love to have all of our writers stay with us forever, but we also recognize that, you know, other opportunities come along too. And, yes. and uh, um, you know, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, and it's, it's exciting too, because I mean, we, we've got people coming to us now wanting to work for us where yeah. we're not having to go out and, <laughs> and, and, you know, beat the, beat the bushes to, to find people They're They're coming to us now. So that's a testament to the work that our people are doing. So we're, that's just awesome.
0: Did you say beating the bushes?
1: um uh, phrasing <laughs> maybe maybe that's just the way you chose to hear it <laughs> all right anyway
0: let on that note let's get out of here so you can find all of our comprehensive content that we just talked about at www.thedashrink.com you can find us on all the po- popular social media at the rink official at the Rinkcast. I'm at fucking Hostel. you're at jakel j-a-e-c-k-e-l uh if you get Congrats. a chance please head over itunes rate and review us uh we really appreciate that um You done? You good?
1: We're good. All right, cool.
0: So uh, that being said, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the rankings.